Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is fucking killing me. I'm Corinne. And I'm Rainy. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back. Welcome back, y'all. Rainy, where are you right now? Um, I am up at the cottage in Manitoba. <laughs> is Manitoba scary? Like, what was that? No, Ghost voice? <laughs> Uh, no, it's so scary. It just felt like it was necessary. Um, I'm good. Yeah, I'm up here. If you didn't know, I uh, found out like a week, I would say almost le- a week, over just over a week ago that I had to fly back to Manitoba. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to like pack my entire, just briefly, by the way, I just want to let everyone know I'm not here permanently. Um, I'm just here until the beginning slash first week of June. Um I had to just come down for work. Um, so I found out pretty last minute and I had to pack my life up and get on a plane. Um, and Manitoba has a mandatory uh, two week quarantine that's been in place since the beginning of the, with the beginning of the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. So I am currently at the cottage by myself, uh, just quarantining for the next, I've been here since Monday. And today is Friday when we're recording this. So it's been like about five days. It's been okay. I can go get a test next, this upcoming Wednesday. Um, and then I will be done by the end of the week. So it's great. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. They say after 10 days, after you get off your plane, you can get a test. So, right. Yeah. So I, it's been good. I mean, it's, it's weird. I mean, it's very peaceful being out here, but it's oh also gosh. like, it's very peaceful. It's but very I dark. <laughs> it's very dark um it there's like no sounds at all when I'm going to sleep at night Ugh. which is nice but it's also like a little bit eerie as someone who's like been in a city for so long um especially during the Ugh. pandemic like we haven't really had a chance to escape so um no. it is nice but it is <laughs> I'm in like a 10 person like a sleep 10 person cottage just <laughs> on my own <laughs> Have you been sleeping in a different bed every night? No, I've been sleeping in the same bed. <laughs> um, it's just more to clean if I sleep in other beds. Um, True. But it's good. I'm, like, I'm realizing like I'm such a creature of habit. I make the same thing to eat every day at, <laughs> at the same time. And like I, my parents like stocked the fridge with groceries for me um, before I got here. So yeah, I've just been you know by myself. I'm in Zoom meetings all day. And uh yeah, it's it's been nice to just like not hear anything. I've been able to sleep really well, but you know, I'm also like a very much a social butterfly. So I'm sure when this weekend comes around, like tomorrow night, I'm gonna be like, get me out of here! Like, you know, I live in a house with like four people, and like we all like to party on Saturdays, and you know, Saturdays, Saturdays are the day. Saturdays are the day, and like I can't play beer pong by myself, like against a wall. Like it just, um, yeah. So it's been nice, but it's it's also like I will just say this: like Manitoba has been in, has had this like mandatory quarantine for so long. But okay, so I flew for the first time since the pandemic, and right. I got on a plane. I got to the airport, checked in. So weird. Went through security, got on a plane got off the plane, came here, and nobody asked me where I was going, why I was mm. traveling, where I was staying, and informed me of the where I was quarantining. Yeah. Right. Nothing. 
And I just like walked out of the airport. <laughs> like, and there was people that like were getting off the plane that were just like getting in cars with other people like that weren't masked. And like we, like me and my family made such an effort to like make sure we had two cars. So like what happened was my mom and my dad drove in with both yeah. of the their cars. Once and they got to the- And Brandon's mm-hmm. not close to Winnipeg. Like it's an hour, right? Two hours. Oh shit. It's two hours. Yeah. So like, yeah, my parents drove in in separate cars. When they got there, my mom got out of the car and got in the other car. I took, mm-hmm. put my stuff in the car and then I followed them up to the cottage and they um, put the groceries in the cottage and I, and then I stayed in the car and then I went in when they were out. So like, we like put in like a really big effort to make sure it was like safe for everybody and like trying to abide by these laws that are in place. And like, <laughs> no, it just kind of feels like an honor system. Like nobody really gives a fuck. Like the fact that nobody asked me where I was quarantining to like check in on me is insane. Yep. So it's just interesting, like how these like laws, and I'm putting this in like quotations for those that can't see me, are like put into place in every province. And like the whether the ridiculous is so sometimes they're ridiculous laws and sometimes they're like mandatory quarantine when you're traveling laws that are important but like it's just crazy to me that like what is what is a law if no one's actually going to follow it and there's no accountability for it you know totally even though like international ones there's like ways you can get around it if you fly into the states and drive across the border no one's checking your quarantine like um where you're quarantining and the hotel's only if you fly in and I have no I know of a story of someone who flew in from a South Asian country into Montreal walked out of the airport yeah nobody like didn't quarantined I'm putting also that in brackets but like yeah wasn't forced to go to a quarantine hotel even though they had traveled internationally yeah and it's so sad because I also like when you told me that story I had been talking to um one of the actors in my like script um group Mm -hmm. and her ex-husband was coming out for her for their daughter's birthday and he yeah. had to quarantine hotel and he had all the necessary paperwork because he works in the States and travels back and forth, right. had had all the tests done, everything. And they put him in quarantine jail, like quarantine hotel jail. Yeah. And they wouldn't let him out. So he ended up only getting like four days with his kids and they hadn't, he hadn't seen them in a year and a half. Yeah. So like, why are some people who like that should be, they should be allowed. They have all the necessary paperwork. Yeah. They were literally going to a house. They weren't going to be like out in the city. Mm-hmm. to spend for like their kid's 10th birthday yeah. um they had had like two negative covid tests they had had a rapid test yeah. why aren't they allowed but then somebody can just like walk off the airplane and be fine like it doesn't make any it, there's no logical sense to it you know yep it's just really interesting so it's just like it's just <laughs> kind of frustrating you know anyway yeah. that's my story so i'll be here um if you follow me on instagram i'm i'm just you know there's lots I'm, of, I'm just going to wait for more phone calls being like, there's a bear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I texted you there was a bear. <laughs> I, next time I want to FaceTime, please. Okay, sounds <laughs> good. I texted Corinna there was a bear because I was thought I was late. Also, the time change is like really fucking me up because I'm like working in Manitoba. I'm working in Manitoba on Manitoba time, but I'm also like while I'm in quarantine here, I'm like started teaching and doing um, classes through online platforms but 
so I, I teach my classes here on Manitoba time, but I teach my classes in Toronto, obviously still on Ontario time. And then like all of our gal pal stuff is Ontario time <laughs> and all of like my acting stuff is in Ontario time. But then like all of my, it's just like really been fucking with my brain. So I like, I'm always like either an hour early or like a little bit late. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so man. We hope everyone's having a great week. Um, Corinne, what? you got vaccinated oh yeah I got my first shot of Pfizer you guys which Woo! I feel very lucky to get because the same day that I got it they changed all the hot spots and then my neighborhood was no longer a hot spot why did they change the hot spots so they changed the hot spots to redirect more vaccines to more impacted areas so they just like of the postal code, basically of the postal codes they had they got rid of some and like the neighborhoods that are, had higher rates of COVID or higher rates of I guess transmission mm-hmm. um they just are just like p- pushing more vaccines into those areas rather than a wider distribution. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So it went from like, I think they cut the hotspots in half. They went from like 26 to 13 in the city. So yeah, wow. that was like a 4 p.m. decision on the day that I got my sh- first vaccination. And I was like, so then all of that information that I was trying to share with mm-hmm. people that also live in my neighborhood became no longer relevant. <laughs> cool, 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 like cool. literally hours after I shared it, I was like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck i mean it's such a disaster the vaccines and we've been complaining about it all year or for the past little bit yeah um yeah hopefully we can just get like needles in arms Mm -hmm. i mean there's supposed to be like pfizer is supposed to be doubling their stuff come may and that's in you know a week so hopefully that really helps yeah are you drinking coffee out of a, a a mug like a liter mug jar is that all coffee it's iced coffee so i like i throffed a frothed I made frothy milk and then ice and then poured coffee on top. That's was it full? I mean, it was like half milk, so it was like a latte. It's not. Are you gonna like shit your pants after <laughs> from the milk? I mean, it was oat it's milk. So much milk. Why, why are you? Why are you on my case about this right now? It's just like so much. I just like I'm so. It just looked like a lot of. Coffee. It's not a liter jar either. It's like a seventy-five, seven fifty mils. Sorry, I just like I'm just was like wow, go girl. I mean, every day when I make coffee, I make like a French press and I mm-hmm. do drink it to, like over the course throughout of the, the morning or throughout the day. So mm-hmm. it's not like my unusual amount of coffee. It's just not in a teeny tiny mouse size mug. <laughs> right. <laughs> I used to drink so much coffee like in 2018. And then I like realized that I needed to chill on that. So I like really have to limit myself to like one or two coffees a day, mm. but you know, I don't think whatever. <laughs> I just was surprised. <laughs> <laughs> for nobody that can see I'm not drinking the normally large cup of coffee I beg to differ but <laughs> wow wow back to vaccines I just want to make one more point because now I'm pissed about this um I really wish the entire provincial booking system was one page it's really, really frustrating yeah. to have all of these separate centers that are popping up, having to create their own platforms to vaccinate or to like take res- res- or take appointments, I should say. Like the city should just be adding extra like within this or the provincial booking system. You should just be like, add your city, like pick your city, mm-hmm. pick your location. And every time a location pops up, like a community center, like in my neighborhood, it should just be added there and it should be all in one place. And you should just be able to choose like hotspot postcode. Like it's 
the fact that it's like a fucking mess and there's like literally a Twitter account called Vaccine Hunters Canada that is helping more people get vaccinated than the fucking province or the like country is, Mm -hmm. is, is insane. Is infuriating. Yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah. Let's get jabs in arms. Jabs in arms. I was nauseous the night of and I had a really sore arm the next day. Today I'm fine. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. That's great. That's it. Wow. Congratulations. You got a good one. I got a good one. I would have, also, I don't want to say I got a good one. I would take anything. You can, I would take that Johnson and Johnson right now, that one shot. (laughs) Literally anything. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess I would, if I had the option, I would take it. I would be cautious of it. I would just like have to clear my whole like three days just because I know that my sister had a really bad reaction to it. Yes. I have heard that the, yeah, people are, have reactions to the Johnson and Johnson one more than the other three. I think it's just because it's all one dose and it's like more than just COVID, right? Instead of just getting like the COVID little bit in your arm, you're also getting like flu. You're getting like a bunch of things, you know? Yeah. Are it's you? Like, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's more, um, it's like, this, it's rate is like lower, but it also gives you a vaccine for like other things besides just COVID. Oh, interesting. So what, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's why it's like, it's like a real cocktail vaccine. <laughs> it's a real waspy vaccine, that one. Wow. <laughs> wow. But yeah, I guess I would just get whatever. Listen, if something's available, I'll just put it in my arm. I yep. want to get vaccinated. I want life to be normal again. So it'd be yep. great. Agreed. <clears throat> On that note, we have the talented, um, beautiful visual artist painter shauna van morick on today's episode Woo! Woo! Um, this is also a great episode if you are not subscribed to our patreon to become subscribed to our patreon because she takes it from her studio she takes the call the zoom call from her studio and she's sitting in front of a bunch of her workspace and so you get to see a bunch of her paintings and some of them in progress yeah, yeah, exactly. She was so lovely. Yes, she was very, very lovely to talk to. Um, if you haven't checked out her Instagram page, I would go check it out. Like, I, you'll hear me compliment her a hundred times about it on the episode. But <laughs> it's, it literally just makes you feel better looking at her page. So, yes, go see her. She is a maker of rainbows and all things positive. <laughs> so, do you remember what? those like, um, like sticker books that you got when you like when we were kids? They were like yeah. very colorful. What artist was that? You know, oh, what like, I'm the, about? like the unicorn, um, like horse ones. Is that it? I don't know. Yeah. I'm like thinking about very a specific thing that my, I used to get all the time as a kid. And it like really reminds me of that because it's like very like fantastical and like yeah, yeah, yeah. colorful. And why can't I think of what that is now? You can picture it though, right? Totally. And like, it's like in the I'm sky, it's like, like unicorns. It's like a brand. Oh, I don't think it's like a, a picture book. I think it's a brand of like stickers, not just stickers, like. I think there was more to it than just stickers. But 90s stickers, brand, artist. I don't know. I can't Google it. Probably. And it's not going to be a thing, I don't think. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> I'll figure it out later. Someone um, will know exactly what we're talking about and they will also understand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, well, oh, got it. What is it? Lisa Frank. Lisa Frank. Yes. It's like a. A modern day version of Lisa Frank that is fantasy. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take. I hope Uh, hope Shauna likes that. Yeah. (laughs) I hope she likes that comparison. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, let's get started with this episode. Um, Before we jump into it, go check her out on Instagram. Go check us out on Instagram. Go to our Patreon and we will see y'all next week. Let us know what you think. Here we go. Have you guys had that point? I don't know. 
I found that this happened kind of last year and it was slowly happening the years before, but like, I used to be like a die hard Daisy Dukes, like shorts, high-waisted shorts person. And then as like the past, like three or four years have gone on, I've like been more into dresses in the summer. And like this summer I was literally like, why? I don't want to wear shorts ever. I just want to wear dresses with no underwear. All wow. The time. No underwear. Well, I, if they're long I enough, wore, it's not short. Not not like, short oh, okay. I was like, huh? Recycling. Yeah. I wore a dress like on my. <laughs> I wore a dress on my birthday, and I like walked down Bloor to go get my cake, and like I was like, oh my god, my buck and a sh-? like because I never really wear dresses, so I was like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> okay, long dress. Yeah, I was like, yes. What? If it no, if it's a short dress, I like wear like a little pair of. Some I usually bloomers. Yeah, some you know, some bloomers. Twenty twenty one style choices. Um. <laughs> But I usually I'm into like the like knee length summer or like long summer dresses are like just okay. Airy. Yeah, maybe I need to get more into it. I don't wear a lot of dresses. I'm like always shorts and like long t-shirts that I wear as like a pretend dress. With shorts <laughs> underneath. <laughs> I love I that. That that, um, that, was, that specifically happened in Toronto for me, Rainy. Toronto oh, really? is so much more humid and oh, so yeah. much hotter than Calgary, where we were living before this. And so, oh, you guys are both we from both Calgary. We both live in Calgary. Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. Um, it's just like the humidity. So if anything's like touching your body, you got high waisted shorts. It's like they're mm. tight. It's like uncomfortable. Dresses are so yeah. much nicer in the humidity. Yeah. I have really like curly frizzy hair <laughs> naturally. So like it's so annoying because like I'm like straightening my hair and then I'll go out in the summer and be like woo and then like literally in like five minutes all these hairs are just like it goes all curly crazy. Uh, <laughs> Toronto's so humid. I remember the first summer I didn't have an AC and I was like like wow. dying of just like oh yeah sweltering. My my partner and I when we moved into our um, apartment that we're in now um it's two floors and the bedroom is like on the like attic level and we were like this is so cool there's like a skyline it's so nice up here it's probably gonna be hot but like that's okay and there wasn't air conditioning like literally the first summer that we spent there it was you just wake up like drenched in sweat and the skylight like at like 6 a.m just like it like angles in and just blasts you with sunlight in the bed (laughs) <laughs> oh. so we got an air conditioner like pretty much right after it was crazy I was like you can't even like wake up without just like my hair would just be curly when I woke uh, up yeah and you don't want to like no, touch there's no like you no I'd be like yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 everyone's body is like so hot and just like gross <laughs> yeah yeah um <laughs> so okay so um you're okay you're a visual artist but you primarily work with paints is that correct yep Yes. Mostly oil paint. Cool. Oil paint. Do you have a, when you went to OCAD, did you know that that was like what, what you wanted to do was work with oil paint or did you kind of have like a journey getting into like your specific type um, of? Hmm. Before I went to OCAD, I, um, I wasn't a hundred percent sure like what I would end up doing. I, I knew that I wanted to do something creative. Uh-huh. Um, I was really interested in fashion design too. Um, and my mom, like, she would always be like, go to OCAD, it's going to be so cool. My parents are really supportive of my art. So when I was like in high school, um, yeah, I was into painting, not so much oil painting, mostly like acrylic. We tried oil like in high school, but I wasn't really like good at it or, you know, it takes practice. So I was painting and I decided I wanted to go to OCAD um, and like become the best painter I could be. And then if after that I wanted to go into fashion design or 
I don't know, set design or something else than I could. But I, uh, yeah, I guess after four years there, I just kind of settled in painting and I just, I didn't really feel the need to like go on to anything else. So yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and you work, I kind of was looking at your work and like reading a little bit about you and you, you do a lot of portraits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Not and a so lot much of, anymore. Not so much anymore. No, you kind I, of like I, move. Well, I realized the other day since COVID started, I haven't painted any people. Oh, interesting. Oh, <laughs> what it, an interesting it metaphor. Me, it occurred to me. I was like, huh? Like I literally like don't see people. And now I stop. I literally am painting like skeletons and like <gasps> animals and like little ghost creatures. And I was like, wow. Oh, wow what a metaphor yeah. for this current time I just, it occurred to me I was like wow my work is so deep I've really like evolved yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that makes sense right like when you when you were point when you were painting portraits were you were you painting them primarily because you were inspired by like people or certain people that you would see or did you just kind of I start drawing so. yeah yeah like I guess I never really thought about I just I didn't think about it in that sense but now like reflecting on it I'm like yeah like when I was doing like all those portraits like I used to pretty much only do mm -hmm. portraits yeah. so that's like around the time when I was I don't know going out to like so many shows and going to art shows music and just like seeing people and I was always so inspired by the fashion that I saw and mm -hmm. hanging out with friends and just being around people you know and now what do I do I literally go out for walks with my partner in nature <laughs> And I like, I don't know, I'm, I'm like, since I was like pretty young, um, my dad was always into true crime. So him and I would always like watch like Forensic Files and like, um, just like all those shows on like Amy and stuff. Yeah. So I have kind of like a morbid, I don't know, fascination <laughs> with like, like, I guess like death in a way. And I've always been really into like horror movies and zombie movies. So that like has always been a big part of my work too. Mm -hmm. um but yeah I used to kind of do that in the way that all my portraits they sort of had like a zombie kind of mm. influence on them and like the dark eyes and just because I liked that aesthetic so much mm -hmm. um and now I'm just like okay yeah the animals are getting it because like I don't see people <laughs> I just like just some, like you know COVID, COVID life is hard like yeah. there's nothing yeah. to do it's really boring so sometimes my partner and I will just like go to High Park or like walk around the cemetery near my house and uh just like look at birds <laughs> and like squirrels and we like bring peanuts we're just like so yeah I feel like that like creeps its way into my work and mm -hmm. I, I guess now it's just more obvious than ever that I really do paint like what I see in my day-to-day -day life and like mm -hmm. what's inspiring me so yeah yeah because for a while there you were painting lots of portraits of like women and yeah. with, like with those um kind of like like those like bags under their eyes people were really like looking at it and thinking of it as like feminist like were they like kind of they were t they weren't telling you but they were considering your work very like feminist and yeah I read somewhere that you were like I don't I'm not trying to be like I'm not trying to like make it a feminist statement when I'm paint but it's like interesting that people kind of put that onto your work yeah I feel like I don't know my work is so like intuitive and yeah. I don't know some maybe it's a flaw but I I feel like sometimes I don't think too deeply about why I'm doing it like I, I just have mm -hmm. kind of like images in my head or ideas and I just I just get them out 
-hmm. So I feel like sometimes that's why I'm able to like produce so much work too, because I don't Mm -hmm. spend, I like, I don't spend too much time just like ruminating on it and being like, is this a good idea? What does this Mm -hmm. mean? I just like do what I feel like doing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Did you ever feel like pigeonholed from that statement that people would make or from that like idea that came across from your work? Not really. I mean, people say a lot of things about my work. I feel like, um, I don't know, even like I've met people before and they're like, oh yeah, I know your work. You do all those like pink and pastels. And I'm like, okay, fuck off. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Yeah, I'm like, I don't really, I know, I know I use like bright colors, but um, I think a lot of people pick up on the fact that there's like dark undertones to it. just like influenced by you know my love of true crime and horror and stuff so I think over the years um the color and kind of the softening of my style it's just like a progression like I got better at painting (laughs) so I don't know where I'll be in five years but it's yeah I'm like a firm believer if you put in the hours and the time that like you perfect your craft so yeah I used to my paintings used to be like a little rough around the edges and they still are, but um, yeah, things have kind of like smoothed out a little right. bit <laughs> and become mm-hmm. softer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they still have the same like general ideas behind mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Curious to how like colors tie in to this like fantasy world you've created, but then has like the deep and like dark undertones. Is it like a conscious contradiction of each other? Not really, but. Um... Yeah, it's not, it's not conscious, but color is just, I guess, something really intuitive for me. Like, um, I remember even when I was young, like, my mom would laugh at me because, like, I, do you guys remember mod robes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I had, like, a lime green pair of mod robes, <laughs> and I would wear it with, like, a pink t-shirt, and my mom was like, only you, like, dress like a watermelon. But, like, I just, <laughs> I, I don't know, I just, like, color makes me feel good. Like, I, like, it's just so intuitive for me. I just like working with them until like I get that sense of kind of mm-hmm. completion. It's hard to describe, but um, yeah, it just, that's what excites me when I'm painting. Um, even like this painting, the big one that I'm working on there, it's um, it's like all blue and green and I've been finding it actually kind of hard. Like it is colorful still and it's still like an enjoyable painting. But normally I'm like, okay, pink and yellow and green. I'm like doing more color work. And here I'm like, okay, a bluish green, a reddish green, a bluish red. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So it's kind of um, not boring, but <laughs> I miss like using pink and stuff. Why um, that specific but yeah, the, color palette? Why that specific hmm? color palette then? Um, okay, well, this painting, um, I haven't really told anyone this, but it's called The Thin okay. Place. So I listen, there's this podcast that I listen to called Spooked, and it's like about like just true ghost stories people call in, and um, I forget even like the exact context, but basically someone told their ghost story and they referred to like their grandmother and said that she called it the thin place, like this place where all the ghosts Mm. come out, like it's like a veil between like like I don't even know if I like believe in this stuff I just find it really interesting because it's like creepy but um so I kind of was thinking about that idea of like a a thin place like in Mm -hmm. the woods like a magical kind of place where they're like these ghost creatures so I feel like a lot of my work it's just like a fantasy and um 
just putting like a lot of plants and creatures together and making it like so lush and it's just like a like an otherworldly kind of like escape mm -hmm. so I feel like even this year with like so much stuff going on in the world and like I was like wow it's pretty convenient I make this work that's like literally just an escape into another world <laughs> I like that I mean I like love your color choice like your Instagram is like so Thank beautiful you. to go to because it's just like so colorful and I like I feel like bright colors are something kind of like what I was talking about with like shorts and dresses almost actually which I didn't even mean to tie in <laughs> but like it's almost like when you get older people like shy away from bright colors and like I like that um some people do I I find like a lot of I mean maybe a lot of people I surround myself with do shy away from those like bright colors and I love bright colors I like want every picture to be like more bright in color I want like every shirt to be brighter in color so I like seeing because it just like makes me happy it like gives me a serotonin boost yeah me too I feel that and as you were just saying that I remembered something so growing up, my mom in our house, like all the, all the walls were like beige and like, she'd be like, this is taupe. This is like a light <laughs> taupe. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we, when I, I think I was like maybe 10 and we were moving into a new house that was like being built. And I was like, I want my room to be purple. And my mom was like, okay, well, I'll get your room purple. And when we moved in, it was literally like, it was like the lightest lilac you could ever imagine I was like mom this isn't purple and she was like it is it's lilac I was like no it's like so light so I feel like yeah I, I growing up in my house I guess there wasn't like my mom wears color my parents wear color but um our house wasn't like super yeah. vibrant and I guess that's just part of um like I'm I was born in Toronto but we moved to Richmond Hill when I was like five so I lived there for like until I was finished high school and I feel like a lot of the houses up there they're like cookie cutter and there's not like a lot of like vibrancy to the neighborhoods and even like where I grew up um it was like a cornfield across the street and then just a huge subdivision and then I remember when they put a Walmart in that was like a big deal because before that <laughs> there was nothing like sometimes my friends would get like driven to my house and be like what do you want to do and be like go to Walmart because I was like the only yeah. thing there <laughs> so I feel like yeah I guess it's funny to think of it like my love of color kind of stems a little bit from not having like enough around and I kind of just went a little crazy on it <laughs> yeah well I think it gets people are intimidated by color in any form like in in are like in architecture in like deck interior design I think people get really intimidated by being stuck with one color for like because when you're redoing like a house or you're or you're doing anything I think you get like concerned that you're going to get tired of it but like I find that I just get like a big serotonin boost from it you know that's so funny I, yeah I don't really think that way I guess mm -hmm. like getting tired of the colors no no I don't either but I know like some people like a lot of like love like people love the topes and the eggshells and yeah. the whites and the you know but that's so boring it's like the easy <laughs> choice though right when I think about when I think yeah. about like my parents yeah. in their house it's like neutrals are easy to decorate on top of they don't need a lot of thought mm. you're they're not going to be like that like eye-catching so whatever you put on top of it is fine right you know what's really funny to think of too like I um I have like a lot of kind of like weird knickknacks in my house like I'm like such a collector so like I love like before all this I used to go to like 
thrift stores like all the time like value village I'm just like picking up like weird little things and <laughs> I guess I get inspired by like the color in those too and like most of my furniture is like either like I found it on the street or I got it at a thrift store or an antique market or something but I like things that I often pick up like furniture that um it's a color that I wouldn't normally mm. paint on it you know what I mean like if I get like a I don't know, like a beautiful like shelf that's been painted like a weird green. I'm like, cool. Cause like maybe I wouldn't think of that and it's like a nice color to add. I don't know. I, I like these weird like pieces that have kind of like a history or yeah. And the more color you add, <laughs> the more it like changes the dynamic of it all. So it's like, mm-hmm. if you think about it, like, oh, I'm just, I'm painting this room blue and I'm going to get so tired of it. It's like, I guess for me, like I have so many different colored pictures hanging on the walls and like little tiny knickknacks and Mm -hmm. like furniture and stuff that I'm like it just becomes like a whole thing and it's not so much about just the blue it's a whole vibe it becomes yeah it becomes cohesive yeah 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 I'm like I'm like very extra like more is more (laughs) (laughs) um I just want to go back to something that you said about um your work being a little rough around the edges like but um and I think I've talk publicly about kind of like embracing the flaws and like um uh and how that like is incorporated into your work mm-hmm. um and it's interesting just because like if you looked at your work like I wouldn't I mean like I'm also not a not a visual artist but I wouldn't know that it's rough around the edges um <laughs> why do you think it's so important um that we do that and specifically when it comes to visual art that we like embrace our like small techniques or our small our small little flaws that may not be seen as like perfect to the form but are perfect for us I think that's what makes painting special um if everything was just perfect all the time and everything everybody was trying to do like the right thing Mm -hmm. you would never have I guess like experimentation like Mm -hmm. you know they always say like um like mistakes make the best work and even like Bob Ross he's like it's like a happy little it's like there's no mistakes there's just yeah what is he I can't remember the exact thing but it's like (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah exactly yeah and um yeah it's uh I don't know painting is very like that like I think you only for me anyways some yeah I make my best work when I take like a weird chance or I try something new and like I do a lot of things that don't work out like Mm-hmm. I just don't share them on Instagram I'm not like I'm like this thing that I hate like I'm not gonna post it and like I literally right. want to turn it around so no one ever sees it <laughs> or like a ton of times I'll be painting and I'll be like oh maybe I'll paint like a little thing here and then I'll be like I hate it I'll take it off or like there was one painting a couple years ago I remember I was um I, I really wanted to put like a scorpion in the bottom part and I think I painted it probably like 10 times like I spent like a whole week just like repainting the scorpion wiping it off at the end of every day and repainting and it just looked awful and after a while I was like okay that's not gonna be a scorpion and then I like literally just painted a little snake in there I was like okay <laughs> like <laughs> it's um I guess it's like any art really like um you just have to keep at it you know, even if it's not going well, or you hate it, or it's frustrating. Like, I've kind of learned over the years that if you just like persevere, like it'll work out in the end mm-hmm. for paintings anyway, <laughs> mm-hmm. mostly, mm-hmm. <laughs> or you go through and then you like really figure something out and you learn 
like what worked and mm-hmm. what didn't. And then like your next painting, you start with like a better idea. Yeah. Right. Can I ask a naive question? How, okay. <laughs> how, just cause I like, I'm not a visual artist. When you make like mistakes on the canvas mm-hmm. with oil paint, is it easier to just wipe off because you have to um, let it hard? Like I just want to, I'm just more intrigued <laughs> how easy yeah, it is um, to like fix those things. Well, it depends how you work. Like, um, I usually like to work, um, like, while the paint is wet. Sometimes with oil paint, it can take, like, up to, I don't know, I'd say, like, maybe, like, five, six days for, like, my paintings to dry, like, in a section that I've been working on. So if I'm, like, working on a part, like, I can just literally take, like, a rag and rub mm. it off. Oh. Yeah. So, but then the layer underneath will be dry if, like, how do I describe it? Like when I, when I worked on my big, my painting, um, the artist's grave with the tombstone, mm-hmm. like I did the tombstone first and then all the other little things I kind of added around and on top mm-hmm. of it. But um, like I painted like a little moth over top and if I didn't like the placement, I just like rub it off and I paint it somewhere else. Okay. So it's pretty easy, but once you let the paint dry, I, I mean, I'm sure there's people who scrape it off with a palette knife, but I don't yeah. like doing that. And my paintings are pretty like thin these days. Yeah. So like the, the paint application. So if I were to let something dry and then I decide I don't like it and repaint over it, it would like give a texture yeah. underneath. So I usually like by the end of the day, if I'm like, I don't like this, I don't want it to start drying. So I'll like rub it off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. It's like a long just, answer. To like your- no, that's okay. I just was like, so curious. Cause like, I mean, I'm just not a painter. So I was just like, how easy it is. To- I just like, also like thinking about like the pressure you have, like while you're creating and like, obviously if you weren't able to fix your mistake as easily, it would be like, I would feel pressure, but I think that's just something that you just discussed. So that works great. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. It's actually wild because I got um, like an iPad for drawing yeah. this year and um it's just it's such a trip that like you could just draw something and then literally be like I don't like that and just erase it because it's not like that on like when you have a piece of paper (laughs) and a marker or like a pen you know I was like wow it's actually pretty uh cool and then you can like put your because I've been trying to mess around with it and see what I can do but you can um put like your reference image like on the same screen so you're like looking right at it I was like that's pretty convenient and then I'm like wow I wonder how many people are just putting that reference image as the whole iPad and then just drawing over it in a new layer. And I was like, yeah, Interesting. I was like, here, I'm like slaving away. Just like, uh, yeah, it's it's, expensive too, right? Like canvases and like paints are expensive. Yeah, they, they are. So I guess I don't use probably like the highest, highest, highest end like paint, but um, stuff I buy, like some of the more expensive colors, like, I don't know, they're probably like 50 or $60 a tube for like a small one. Mm-hmm. But I, I go through it, I guess, kind of slowly. It depends what I'm doing, but they last me a while. Mm-hmm. Probably a year or two, maybe even. Mm-hmm. For sure. yeah. I've been finding there's like transferable yeah. skills or things that you do similarly between like painting and your iPad and digital art. Um, In drawing, yes. Like that's what I got it for, primarily just like line drawing and stuff like that but I haven't really tried painting on it because I'm not super I guess interested Mm -hmm. in it um like because like I said painting is so intuitive for me and just like having all the colors laid on your palette 
and like mixing them together. It's just like a familiar and like really nice experience that I like. And I feel like on the iPad, you don't have that sense of play of like mixing colors. And that's such a big part of it for me. I was like, mm. and also like being really painterly with the brush strokes. Like, I feel like I can't do that on the iPad, but I also haven't really tried because maybe I'm just like, I, don't, just like <laughs> I have like a bad <laughs> attitude about it because it's like not painting. But I've seen some other stuff. Like I follow like other artists, digital artists, and I'm like, they make beautiful stuff on their iPad. But like, I don't know. I, I really like the like tactile experience of painting and mm. like color mixing yeah so I don't know maybe I one day <laughs> I feel like we've, we've heard that from a few people that I think Oksana oh, really? actually talked about that about how mixing colors to her is actually very like meditative mm-hmm. and yeah, like, for relaxing sure. and like you and put so much sorry I didn't mean to cut you off you go ahead no no well I was just gonna say and like figuring it out as you go yeah that's the thing like about like happy accents or whatever like on my palette like I I remember a teacher at OCAD told me like when you're color mixing like mix whatever it is with other colors on your palette and that was one of the best like tips I ever got because it helps like unify all the colors in a painting so like if you're mixing like a blue but it's next to a bunch of reds like if you need a color in between those mix a little bit of the red and the blue and then you've got like a little mid-tone there and it just like helps soften everything and yeah, so you can, I don't know. Maybe you can do that on an iPad, but I don't know how. And I, I don't feel like it's the same experience. I would agree with that. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think there's something yeah. very, like, interesting and, like, something really concrete about working physically, right? That mm-hmm. if, that you might not get the same, I don't want to say results, but the same, like, feedback in your body. And I just say that, like, as a dancer being in like Zoom rehearsals, mm-hmm. being not with people in a studio, not being able to like move the bot- my body in the way that I used to, I don't get the same, mm-hmm. the feedback like loop in myself isn't the same. And I'm like not, right. in- again, not interested in it, you know? But are we just like old school? What's That's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing. Yeah. No, I feel like I'm very traditional in some ways about painting, but um, yeah. Because, like, now, I'm sure you guys have heard, like, all the news about, like, NFTs yes. and stuff. Ugh. Yeah, and no, some I of people told me to do it. It's basically, oh, my God, I have to, like, explain this right now. I'll I'm just, so sorry. I, I could just do a podcast right now. <laughs> okay, sorry. I, like, didn't know. I was like, what is that? Well, basically, in short, like, so many artists are basically making these, like, digital files that um, go for sale online, like, in limited editions. And I'm not explaining it properly, I'm sure. But, um there's like so much mm-hmm. money in it and like a few people have told me like get on this and I'm like I don't get it <laughs> and one person was telling me like oh it's like it's like the digital realm of art and I'm like I don't care about that <laughs> like I know it sounds bad but I'm like yeah. I like digital work that I see but I don't want to live in some like other fake digital world like Instagram is enough totally. of that for me like I want to be like okay yeah oh. so NFT stands for a non-fungible <laughs> token which is put onto a piece of digital art and then you have to use Bitcoin to purchase it so that it is the only one. So it's not, you can't reproduce it because it has this none, this NFT attached to it. And so like you just, it would just resell 
as a piece of art. And then always the creator would get a piece of that sale because it's their NFT. Mm-hmm. So it's a way of tracking right. digital art without it being re without with the without it being reproduced without the original artists reaping the benefits that's like the good that's like the good explanation I was like uh people are making money on it like (laughs) Um, I only know that because I listened to a podcast I had someone else tell me also about it there was it the daily yeah Yeah, okay a couple of my friends were like oh now I get it you should listen to this I was like I don't want to it's so crazy how it like blew like I'm all for I'm like good let them make money that's totally awesome but the thing is like I'm not like very tech savvy and I'm like a bunch of people have tried to explain it to me. I've read a bunch of stuff. I'm like, I still don't really get why you would want the digital mm. file. Like you have like a digital frame in your house and you like put it on. Like I just, or like my friend was telling me like in like video games, you, some now some that are like crazy, you can put like the file on the wall in your house and like have your digital, like your online friends come and see. It's just, I'm like, I don't know. I guess like now we can't go to people's houses. So maybe that's the next best thing. I have no yeah. idea. Interesting. Me, it's also yeah. on video I'm clips very... so there's like a lot of big sports clips of famous moments in sports that yes. have nfts on them and they're selling for millions of dollars and some trump i think tweets oh. and stuff like that <laughs> i'm so confused <laughs> yeah me too. i've read so much stuff and talked yeah. to so many people and i'm like i don't get it so no and then there's like a conversation that it's like bad for the environment because there's all these like servers like running like processing all this information and a piece and I'm like I don't anything that I can't like see like physically I'm like I don't get it <laughs> also like how funny is that that it's like artists creating digital files online is bad for the environment but like no one like it's just such an interesting spin to like take like artists and being like what we're doing is bad yeah. for the environment <laughs> yeah you know? yeah I don't understand it and everybody has an opinion I don't even know what my opinion is because yeah. I don't understand it <laughs> I, yeah speaking of the digital uh world on that note good segue good segue um, thanks <laughs> Really working on my segues lately. Um, speaking of the, the digital sharing world, um, you are quite popular on Instagram, um, and which is amazing. Obviously, like I said, your Instagram is like a serotonin booster as soon as you go there. <laughs> cool to hear. <laughs> um, but I, I read, so, sorry. You're big on Instagram, um, but when you first started, you were making these like massive, I read that you were making these like massive paintings and you realized yeah. that your like audience kind of needed like um, something that was like, was it more affordable or it was just like something more compact? That's kind of like what they were asking for. So you kind of adapted to also create these smaller frames. Well, I feel like, I don't know, probably other people who've gone to OCAD have this experience, but like something that they would tell you a lot there is like, make it bigger, go big and use big brushes, make a big painting. And then like, it's good. Like I learned a lot through doing that. Cause I guess a lot of people nowadays, I guess they're scared to make a big painting. But if you start out doing that, like the fear is gone. But then after school, I was like, I have all these big paintings that no one can ever afford. Or like, what do, what do I do with these? Right. Like I literally 
for like six years, I had like a massive like nine by six foot painting just on my living room wall. It was crazy. Like, and then I had all these paintings. Like I was lucky that I had a basement so we could store them. But like my whole house was just filled with giant paintings. And uh, sometimes friends would be like, I love your work, but I could like never afford it. And I'd be like, yeah, I know. So, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm like working at a restaurant and like I have all this stuff to yeah. sell. And this is kind of before, like, I guess, like social media for artists was really like, yeah thing I'm like so I was sitting on all this work and then um I I realized that like people can afford small pieces so I started like doing these little studies like four by four inches and like charging like I think in the beginning I was charging maybe like around 100 bucks for them and um yeah like they did pretty well and um yeah I guess from there they kind of just evolved into like studies of different things so I have like flowers and insects and all these little things and in, kind of in the back of my mind I was like I really want to like apply everything that I'm learning through these small studies into like larger works like eventually mm-hmm. um, but I didn't really know when but basically yeah so for a few years I was doing these small portraits small paintings and um, it got to the point where I like was able to quit my job serving so that was pretty cool yeah. Um, that's also like I got into print too as well which is like um, just making art affordable to people and like my work especially um, like it really appeals to like a younger like um, generation like I, I think when you look at my stats on Instagram I think it's like I think I have like the, the biggest percentage of yeah it's like it's like <laughs> under um, like under 18 is like my biggest oh, group wow. I think and then like mid like 20s and 30s is like my second but um I have like a pretty young like following and I mean yeah like they can't necessarily afford a painting but if they can have a print in their house or studio like that's pretty cool and um yeah it's it's pretty like wild to see how many of them supporting my work in that way too and I'm like so thankful because when I was that age like I wasn't like buying art <laughs> like when I was in high school I don't even really know what I was doing like I I but it, times were different right. we didn't have as much access to this kind of stuff but it's just cool I'm like wow they really want to spend like their like I don't know money from their like job or whatever like to support art which is really cool because <laughs> I think like a lot mm-hmm. of older people and the scene in Toronto too like sometimes I feel like there isn't as much of a value on art it's so nice to hear. I'm jumping right back in. Uh, <laughs> it's actually so nice to hear that like you're, that it's like noticeably a younger generation supporting you as an artist. Yeah, it's cool. I think the first time I really like became aware of that, um, probably like in around 2015, 2014, um, I started working collaborative, collaboratively with a friend of mine who was an mm-hmm. illustrator. So we started making like small pieces where we both like draw on them and I'd paint them just kind of pass back and forth. And we started doing like some little markets around Toronto. And um, that's why I noticed like a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, like most people, if they really like a piece, they'll spend that much on it, you know, mm-hmm. something that they can like have forever. So I think that's where I realized, like, I don't know how happy it makes people to be able to like have art. Like it doesn't have to just be if you have like hundreds of thousands of dollars, like the right like these big paintings like of course there's a market for that but like people everybody deserves to have art like in their homes if they want it and not just like Ikea art or whatever totally (laughs) so 
yeah I don't know where I was going that's all right it's just it's something that I also remember like um another visual artist Oksana talking about where she was like I made a conscious decision to make art at different price levels for Mm -hmm. different people whether it's like Mm -hmm. small whether it's like a, a print versus like a big original and she's like making it more accessible to people meant that I was like never shutting the door on someone that wanted to enjoy it yeah yeah and especially for me I guess um yeah the young audience like I don't know it's pretty cool that they have so many like artists accessible to them totally like with Instagram and social media because like when I was in high school I think my favorite artists were like Van Gogh and like literally just some old dudes (laughs) yeah that you learn about at school like there's a couple other people that I liked but we didn't have such a like pool to draw from like inspiration from right so I get a lot of messages from people that are like oh I hung your print like in my studio and I'm like that's so cool like because I definitely like back in the day like I used to like print things off the computer and just like hang them and like I feel like Mm -hmm. artists weren't even really selling prints back then so sorry don't come for me but like no <laughs> and I've definitely had a few people tag me on yeah I've definitely had a few people tag me on Instagram they're like hey printed out pictures of my work like in their studio and I'm like okay you're like learning it's like I I did that too like I get it right but yeah it's um yeah I think what I was gonna say was that friend that I was collaborating with we did like the artist project which is like a big kind of like art show in Toronto where you pay for a booth and um our booth was like jam-packed full of like little paintings and um they have like I think the second day of the show it's like over a weekend is like a a day where they bring like high school students Mm -hmm. and like so many kids came with their classes and all these girls were coming into our booth like buying paintings and I was like you guys are in high school and you're literally like I'm sure your parents gave you like fifty dollars to like spend for the day and they were spending it on our stuff and I was like wow Mm. really cool plus I think we were probably one of the only booths that like had stuff that was affordable for them right so I I guess I was just always like aware of that like people want to spend money on art but they if it's not accessible to them they can't and I like to make it accessible to them (laughs) totally Mm -hmm. um I think that's important we can't as artists we can't constantly be like no one comes to our shows no one gets us no one understands if we don't like make the effort to like reach out to our audience or like yeah. an effort to make it accessible. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that was like my entire thesis. <laughs> you just encapsulated my entire thesis in one statement. Correct? <laughs> and I haven't even read it. Yeah. <laughs> just heard me talk about it for so long. Um, it's kind of interesting though, to dive into that, like the Toronto art scene though, visually, mm-hmm um because on the outside everybody's like oh it's Toronto it's so cool there's so much going on Mm -hmm. when it's like still pretty corporate it's still pretty square yeah (laughs) (laughs) and like it's funny because oh sorry go ahead no you go I was just gonna say most of the art shows that I go to it's like my friends and really cool art like some of my Mm -hmm. favorite artists are from Toronto but you'll go to a show and sometimes it's just other artists there you know like so I don't know I feel like I'm kind of disconnected because I hang out with like mostly artists but um it seems like there's like these other like young professionals in Toronto and I don't know what art shows they're going to if any like sometimes it makes me feel like I don't know if people if um there's a huge value for art in our city in that way 
mm-hmm. I don't know maybe things will change like after COVID I'm just hoping it'll be like the roaring 20s like just be like sick everyone's out like I've seen people posting on Instagram they're like I don't care if your band sucks like I'm coming to your show and like me too I'm like I hate your art I'm coming to your show <laughs> like I just want to like have somewhere to go yeah, yeah like I just want to support everybody and like I just want to everybody just wants to be together and go do those normal things again so <laughs> totally yeah maybe Um, things will change we'll see but I I guess yeah the thing is like yeah I do have sales in Toronto but they're mostly women like all the people who buy my work I think there's like a small percentage of men and I'm like (laughs) because it takes like I guess like to have like a massive pink painting or whatever in your house like I don't yeah it's kind of girly like I get it (laughs) but Um, yeah do you feel like over do you do a lot of international yeah yeah that's what I was gonna say like a lot of them um a lot in the U.S. and it's cool because even in the past like year or so I've seen like I've been sent a bunch of things to Finland Mm. and like Singapore wow and yeah it's funny to like look at where like it's concentrated um yeah it's pretty cool (laughs) but then I realized the other day I was like I've never sent anything to Newfoundland (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it occurred to me because my friend is from there and I was like I wonder if I've ever shipped anything there and I was like no not a single thing uh, <laughs> everybody in, in Newfoundland just like wants pictures of boats and stuff. Yeah, maybe some, <laughs> I don't know fish or a cliff or something <laughs> yeah yeah it's interesting how like international recognition with visual artists is like common um like within the Toronto like that's like there's a number of artists we've like visual artists we've spoken to that are like oh yeah I'm like really popular internationally but like here in Toronto I'm like why like and it's like exactly what you just said it's Toronto there's something about Toronto that people like yeah we're still a little bit square (laughs) a little bit square and we all run in our own circles you know and it is very why that is I I do I don't really have an answer for it I do try to like wrap my head around it but there's cool art but I think it goes back to what we were saying about like painting your wall blue you know like my work is colorful I get it It doesn't fit in everybody's life or home but um yeah maybe that like minimalist kind of approach it's like I don't know people take that to art too like I get it my my stuff is very specific and it's not for everybody so I don't know maybe just Toronto not super into it <laughs> okay those minimalist condos that are going up everywhere bummer it makes me sad like that's why I had to move kind of part of the reason why I had to move studios because um I had a pretty good spot and like it overlooked this empty lot <laughs> and I talked to my friend whose space it was and I like who I was sharing with and I was like um like what's going on in this empty lot is it gonna be like economy like it's been empty for like 10 years so like they're not doing anything I was like okay so then like I moved in last year and then within like by the summer like I came in one day and they torn they just like cut down all the trees and there used to be like rabbits and like coyotes out there and I was like cool this is like a paradise and then I came and they cut everything down and then for the past like I don't know six seven months they were just like bulldozing every day to be like a little gang of guys outside my window like they're building like a huge condo and they're they're like elevating the they're building an elevated go train track so it's going to be like a couple years of construction and then like they're just going to build a wall that like covers up all the windows so I was like okay but yeah 
I know people, I don't know. It's weird, this whole area, like when I first moved into this area in the studio like five years ago, there wasn't a whole lot around. Um, it's like by Galleria Mall, kind of close to there, like DuPont. Mm. Um, yeah. and it's like right where I live. <laughs> oh, you live on, you, really? Well, I, yeah, I live on um, Campbell, which is like- Oh, that's at, where like, my right... old studio was. Oh yeah? Yeah, yeah I... the building where Hale is. Oh yeah, Ooh, I like really? that building. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, realize that your old studio was there. Yeah, they're building a gigantic condo across there the now too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, across the street from where? Sorry. From like, from Hale. Hale. Like where Wallace Studios is. Wallace Studios. So you know the pizza places on the corner, not across Dupont, across Campbell. Oh, okay. There's lots of construction huh? right there, right? I'm crazy? talking about right at Dupont and Campbell. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now I understand what you're saying. I'm so sorry. Mm. Now I get it. Oh no, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, um, they're building that huge condo there but like when I look out the window I can just see like three four condos that they're building like just in the distance mm-hmm. so I, I mean yeah I guess that's Toronto what can you say I don't know but I'm sure in another five years I'll have to move even further west and even further north or something <laughs> yeah we're like all going to be in the junction it's going to be the new area yeah. <laughs> the junction is nice though because I know um, I like so, when I don't like it yeah, when I go over there, I'm like, hey, can I like live in one of these houses? It's so cool. <laughs> really nice. It does offer like some space too that you like don't really get in the city. It feels like it's like its own little small town kind of, you know? Yeah. Know. And I'm like, can I be a part of this? Totally. <laughs> yeah. No, I've been the same way. Um, yeah. On that note, Corinne, do you want to ask a question? Yes. Is being an artist fucking killing you? <laughs> I wouldn't say that it's killing me, but it's probably not as easy as it appears to be over Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I work like really long hours and I really like it, but um, yeah, it's hard. I get like so many responses on Instagram of people just being like, wow, like this is so sick. And I'm just like, yeah, it's like, I don't know. I started out in a tiny studio and I worked my way up over years and sometimes like, I guess it feels like people just think it was like handed to me, but um, it takes like, I'm like 32. Like some of these kids, I feel like, I feel bad because social media, you just see the good stuff, right? And um, mm-hmm. I try to share as much as I can about my early days, like where I started. I'm like, look, I used to paint out of a tiny bedroom. Like, it's okay. You're like mm-hmm. 16, you're going to be okay. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I feel like, yeah, they see like these, like, like my studio and they're like, wow, like I wish, you know. So it makes me like a bit bummed out. <laughs> but yeah, they don't see like the amount of hours that I'm here every day, like usually like 10 or like between 10 and 12 hours, like coming here, I'm like packing up like orders by myself. I actually moved to a bigger studio in 2020 because I wanted to like hire like a studio assistant who would take care of like all the stuff with my shop. But then COVID happened. So I basically have just still like my business has like grown over the past year. And then like, I'm still in here just by myself, like it's hard. It's hard to juggle like all the things you need to do as an artist, yeah. right? So it's like social media and I'm like answering emails and then like shipping things and setting up couriers to come pick up the shipments. And then I actually have to paint too right. and like mm-hmm. eat. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's not killing me, but it's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like that romanticizing idea of like the artist that is in like every sitcom in the nineties, just is still lingering now with Instagram <laughs> yeah yeah but I I also like I guess like I'm guilty of it too because I like to share 
positive things, you know, like I like, I like looking at Instagram for like the inspiration and like the color and fashion. So I treat it as like a place of just like cool visual things that I want to see, you know? So yeah, it definitely has, I guess it gives the impression that everything is like perfect all the time, but totally <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Um, do you have any, I mean, it's hard to ask this question now. Do you have any upcoming um, events or online <laughs> exhibits, I guess? Well, <laughs> or anything you want to shout out? Yeah, that's kind of wild because I actually was supposed to have a solo show like in May of 2020. And oh. then that obviously got canceled. Yeah. So then it's been, it was postponed till like this May. But now we're in like another lockdown. I'm like, okay, we're going to see what happens. I have no idea, like, if it's going to happen. And I'm just like, you know what? I've stopped, like, caring and worrying about it. I'm like, if it happens, that's fine. If it doesn't happen, whatever. I'll just, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't do anything about it. So potentially, potentially have something going on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can you uh, shout out where people can find you on Instagram or any other socials? Yeah, I'm no go bed on Instagram and uh, Shauna Van Morick, S H A N N A V A N M A U R I K on TikTok. But I'm still gonna hang out because I'm like old and I don't really fit in on there. It's so. That's how I felt when you were talking about <laughs> NFT. I was like, that's how I feel about TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much for talking with us today, Shauna um go check out her stuff um thank you for listening if you have any questions um send us a dm send us a message on facebook let us know what you thought review share do whatever you need to do thank you all for listening today and we'll see you next week bye